Hey, it's Film Ramble, the poorly named, generally brief, and uh, somewhat sporadic podcast about film photography, analog photography, that sort of stuff. So this time I want to talk about um, the types of machines that your film will be processed in in an actual lab. So if you do it yourself, this probably won't mean too much to you, but uh, you might find it interesting. So if you're kind of a person like me who actually likes to send their film out, uh, especially if you're doing color, I, as I probably mentioned before, I think for color, your best bet is to send it to a lab. Um, there's kind of two main machines that you'll find in current labs. Uh, one's called dip and dunk. I don't know what the technical term is, but that's generally how they refer to as dip and dunk machines. And then you have roller transport machines. And I'm not talking about the, the, the giant thousand foot roll commercial monstrosities that they used to have in the big labs. I'm talking about the kind you'd find in a mini lab, the little self-contained unit. Uh, like if you went and got your pictures processed in an hour, that kind of thing. So what are the differences? Uh, well, the way dip and dunk works is kind of like it sounds, uh, all the film is taken out of its respective containers, whether it's a 35 millimeter cartridge or a 120 roll or a four by five out of a film holder, what have you. And then it's hung on a rack and those racks are lifted by the machine and then dipped into the chemistry dipped and dunked so that they're completely submerged. Hence the name dip and dunk. And then the, the transport mechanism lifts it and moves it to the next bank, uh, tank and dumps it in until, you know, the allotted time for each process until it gets to the dryer end. The cool thing about that is uh, once it's on the rack, nothing really touches the film. Uh, it's a little bit more complicated than a roller transport because you have to load the film in the dark. Usually you have to walk into the room and load the film in there, and then you step out and, and run the machine. Now, mind you, that's a basic overview, so I'm sure there's plenty of you who know how the machine works a little bit more in detail, but for the, this purpose, just the simple overview I think is fine. Um, yeah, so again, one of the kind of main things is that nothing's touching your film. Uh, and just as a side note, when it's in the chemistry, it doesn't shake the film around. It usually uses some sort of burst of gas, like, uh, I think nitrogen's the main thing, uh, to move the chemistry around inside so that you always have fresh chemistry on your film. Uh, the other kind is the roller transport where it's generally loaded in daylight and, uh, they don't have these machines for sheet film. It's just for roll film. So 35, 120, 110, 126, if you do that sort of thing. Uh, and the, the film is just attached to a plastic card called a leader card that has sprocket holes up in the middle of it. And it's loaded into the machine and you close the door on the machine. Uh, little belts actually pull the leader card through the entire set of chemistry. And uh, unlike dip and dunk, when your uh, film exits a particular tank of chemistry, whether developer, bleach fix, whatever, uh, there's little squeegees that actually squeegee off the uh, chemistry to keep the next tank from being, well, mainly to keep as much chemistry in the tank and then also not to contaminate the next tank. So uh, it's a very closed system. It's not entirely closed, but for all intents and purposes. Yeah, it's not really a closed system, so I guess it doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so at that point, the squeegees are touching your film, and they will pull through to minimize the chemistry. 
Um, which if you've done processing at home, you know that that's actually generally part of the process is once you've gone through your rinse and your wetting agent, then you'll squeegee it off. Some people do, some people don't. I don't because I'm mainly lazy, but uh, a lot of people do. It makes a nice clean image with uh, minimal dust and, and drying patterns from the water. Um, and so a lot of people will tell you that dip and dunk is better specifically because nothing touches your film, which is basically true. However, in practice, those little squeegees rarely ever cause a problem. Um, some people will tell you that the film is touching the rollers on the uh, roller transport machine, which is sort of true. The edges where the sprocket holes are on 35 millimeter or just the edges on uh, 120, um, they do roll across the rollers, but the rollers are uh, smaller in the center and larger on the ends, like a, like a uh, tapered spool. And so the film really only touches the edge of the roller. So your image area never gets touched by anything but the squeegees. And um, I've never seen it be a problem. And I, I manage photo labs, so I've processed hundreds of thousands of rolls of film. And as long as you're taking care of your machine, everything's smooth. And I think that's actually the big difference at this point is back when film was more common or when everybody used it because there was nothing else um, a lot of the places that processed your film were just businesses they were just trying to make a couple dollars and uh, so they didn't necessarily put as much effort into making your uh, film processor run smoothly you know keeping the chemistry at the right uh, concentration and temperature and such like that and making sure all the parts inside are clean and that the machine's working correctly I think now it's a much less of a problem simply because most of the people that are doing film, processing film commercially, are doing it because they love film. So, I mean, you might have an individual worker or something in a big lab that uh, doesn't care as much. But I think on the whole, most of the people who are running the businesses and even the people who are working there because they, they love the film, so that they care about what they're doing, so they make a greater effort to have the machines running perfectly. So I think the uh, too long didn't listen version of this is that either one is fine. It probably makes no difference to you at the end of the game. From both processes, you'll get nice negative specs that are properly you'll get nice negative spec that are properly processed, and as long as they've been handled handled carefully, uh, there won't be a problem with either. Um, I think most of the like the labs that you mail your photos into these days, like uh, Richard and Indy and uh, Fine Lab, I think, I'm not sure on this, but I think they'll, they'll let them use the dip and dunk. So if you want that process, you know, you can you can call the lab and go, hey, do you do dip and dunk or do you roller transport? And they'll usually tell you. So it's not a, um, I really don't think it's a big issue though. Uh, people get really hung up on small details that often don't make a difference to the final result. And I think this is one of those areas where there's some heated debates, but they're probably just people talking for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Send it wherever you like. As long as you had it, I would always send a test, test roll to a lab and you know, if it comes out okay, then use them. That's fine. You'll be, you'll be good. So that's it. Dip and dunk, roller transport, whichever makes you happy, go with it. I will say a side note, there are a few labs who do use those, uh, I don't know what the proper terminology is, but they're a little self-contained kind of semi-automatic that have the the tank and the little device that rolls the tank and the thing and pours the chemistry in. 
And uh, I think those are fine for home use, but for commercial use, I'm concerned because one of the beauties of a commercial processor is the big tanks and running lots of film is consistency. So you're more likely to get a nice, consistent uh, uh, processing. So your negs will be the same no matter what you do. Your negs will get processed the same. But I think with those machines, there's a greater chance uh, to uh, have more variables change temperature, uh, concentration of the mix of chemicals. Since they're one shot, usually you mix up a batch of chemicals, you throw it in there, you dump it. And the next set of rolls you do, same thing. You mix up a bunch of chemicals, you stick them in there. When you're done with the rolls, you dump it all out. Um, so I think there's a lot more room for error on those. With the the, the bigger machines, uh, it's more likely to be intolerance. And especially if you're doing like E6, I know that's a big thing now. I still don't get it, but people love it for some reason. And uh, if you love it and you want to do E6, I would definitely send a couple tests out to a couple different labs and see who's doing a nice, consistent, solid process. If your film, your E6, appears to be properly exposed and it has a color cast beyond a minimal. I mean, every E6 film has its little biases, you know, uh, might be a little blue for one or a little magenta for another or something like that. They'll all have that. But on the whole, if your ne- if your chromes are properly exposed, uh, then you shouldn't have a really huge color cast. And if you're seeing a big color cast, then maybe you want to think about processing somewhere else. Um, yeah, but I think that's about it for now. So if you have any questions, as always, feel free to ask. You can, uh, if you have the Anchor app, you think you can ask me an audio question. And, uh, and I hope you uh, found something useful in here. So have a nice day.